Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Are you happy because you win, or do you win because you're happy? At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in the episode. You are Locked On Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, a Wednesday edition of Locked On Warriors. I'm Wes Goldberg, Warriors beat writer for the Bay Area News Group, talking about the Warriors' 114-106 to win over the Knicks on Tuesday night. And for those of you wondering, by the way, if my tooth is feeling better, it is. I don't think much of you cared. Uh, but I think most of you probably cared about whether or not Steph Curry was playing better. After he was a late scratch before Saturday night's game in Charlotte, Steph did play against the Knicks. He scored 37 points on 9 of 22 shooting, 6 rebounds, 6 assists, uh, looking very good. And after the game, when asked about what exactly happened in Charlotte, he said that he was feeling disoriented, that the room was spinning. And so, look, all along, the Warriors have been adamant that this was not coronavirus-related. And I, I believe them as much uh, contact tracing and precautions as the, as the league is taking with this stuff. I... I believe them when they say that they're, they're, it's not coronavirus related. But I did have to punch those symptoms into WebMD to see what kind of, to see what kind, to see what what it was that Steph Curry was feeling before that late scratch in Charlotte. And so you go through WebMD and and it's you know stroke is one of the, I don't think he had a stroke brain aneurysm I don't think he had that uh, low blood sugar maybe he had low blood sugar traveling. From Orlando to Charlotte, uh, maybe you know a lot of things like you know getting uh, a bad side effect from some sort of drug, asthma. I don't think he has asthma. Seasonal depression. I don't think that it, it's that. Uh, marijuana use. I'm not. I'm not accusing him, but you know we know that it's used in the NBA. I don't know that Steph does or does not use it. Uh, migraine headache. I don't. I don't know that he has. Uh, suffered from migraines in the past, but that's the kind of stuff. So I don't know the the Warriors have been so purposely vague with this stuff. And maybe it's just because nobody really knows what was going on. I mean, that's the kind of thing we're talking about. I don't know if he's on some sort of prescription for something or whatever, or if he's using some sort of medicine mid season or whatever it might be. Maybe he just had a bad dose of it, a weird side effect. But if the room is spinning to use his words before, yeah, I probably wouldn't play either, but he did play really well against the Knicks. Not so great in the first half. 11 points in the first half and then had 26 points in the second half. 15 points in the third quarter. 11 points to close out the game in the final four minutes against New York. Uh, the Warriors led by 13 points at one point in the game. The Knicks came back. They tied the game with a few minutes left and it just looked like they were going to lose again and blow yet another double-digit lead on this road trip. They did it against Orlando. They did it against Charlotte. They were going into this game at Madison Square Garden 0-2. But with their starters back, with Kevon Looney, with James Wiseman, with a full squad, most for the most part, for the first time in more than in, in almost a month, that's what it took for them to get to the finish line, for them to go ahead and win that game. Uh, the Knicks played well. They bothered Steph Curry, but he made some really difficult shots there at the end, and he just went off as he tends to do. Uh, and so 
look, 37 points in a in a win that they needed to avoid losing three straight games for the first time this season. This is why Steph Curry is in the MVP conversation. This is why. First of all, he's played a bunch of games. That that game that he missed in Charlotte, the only absence he's had all season. And he's carried this offense more times than not. And so if he's not in your MVP consideration, then he ought to be. Uh, the Warriors now 17-15. and 15. They are in the thick of the playoff race in the Western Conference. Right now they are the eighth seed. Uh, they are a game ahead of the Dallas Mavericks, who are there at the ninth seed, and a game and a half over the Memphis Grizzlies there at the tenth seed. I think the Warriors obviously still want to try to get into that top six. Portland may be slipping. They're on a three-game losing streak. San Antonio, they're 16-11. and 11. They're 7-3 and three in their last 10. They've won two games straight. I just still don't believe in San Antonio, and I've got to think that Golden State has as good a chance as those teams. Uh, Denver is ahead of them by a half game. They've got some of their own problems that they're dealing with, but you got to think that the Warriors could potentially get into that top six. Maybe my prediction would be that it's the Nuggets and the Warriors in the top six, joining the Phoenix Suns, Lakers, Clippers, and Jazz by the end of the season. But that, uh, but we'll see. It's time for the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week because Michelob Ultra, with just 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, knows it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Enjoyment isn't the end game, it's the whole game. And that's something that Kelly Oubre understands. Oubre has quickly become one of the most interesting interviews on the team, seemingly weaving Confucius-level wisdom and romantic imagery into his answers and always saying absolutely nothing. So here he was after the game in which he had 19 points on 8 of 18 shooting, 8 rebounds. Oubre, in case you haven't been keeping up with his shooting, is making 48% of his three-pointers in February. So he's playing really great. Here he is answering a question about what it was that helped him turn his season around. When I was shitty, I was just getting better each and every day. You know, I was in the, in the gym, working out, working on my craft, you know, adding tools to my bag. Godspeed in due time, those tools will be able to, you know, blossom and show. Just like each and every day, I just get better. I can't go a day without, you know, getting better and, you know, trying to paint for the bigger picture of my game and where I want to be. <laughs> Is that not just like the most inspiring thing you've ever heard? You just want to get better each and every day so that you can just paint for the bigger picture. You love that. You'll love to hear that sort of thing. It means nothing. I have no I have no idea what he's talking about. I have no idea what he's talking about. The only thing I understood in all of that was that he thought he was shitty, and he was to start the year. <laughs> and now he's not so shitty anymore. And and he's just got this inspiring message of just being better every day. Just to work out. Shouldn't we all aspire to just be like that, to be like Kelly Oubre. And even when you're shitty, just be better every day. Uh, but this, this, in this interview, it got even a little bit more ridiculous with TV reporters asking ridiculous questions, as they always do. Here's that. Uh, Kelly, on a scale of 0 to 10, 10 being full-blown tsunami puppy, where's your game at right now? Say about a 5, 6, 100%. Oh my god. I I mean I love I love TV reporters just with the audacity that they have to ask some of these questions. Uh Tsunami Poppy, Kelly Oubre's wonderful nickname, probably one of the best nicknames in the NBA. I think it's one of those nicknames that he gave himself because I can't imagine anybody else in the league coming up with that sort of nickname other than of course 
Kelly Uber. He's the only person who come up with Tsunami Poppy. And so this guy asked the question about Tsunami Poppy. And if you're a scale of one to 10, 10, I suppose being Tsunami Poppy, one being Puddle Poppy. I don't, I don't know what a one would be in that situation, but Kelly Oubre is out here saying he's a 5'6", 100%. 5'6", 100%. In classic Kelly Oubre fashion, he tries to give you the answer, and in giving you that answer, he gives you three different numbers, and we have no idea where he stands, but we sort of understand where it is that Kelly Oubre is on the Tsunami Poppy scale that was apparently just invented by this TV reporter. Uh, Here is Kelly Oubre asked again about this Tsunami Poppy scale later in this interview. Several questions after, by the way, later in this interview. And for reference, Kelly Oubre tried to get this tip-back dunk over the Knicks. It would have been ridiculous. It wouldn't have been Anthony Edwards' dunk of the year level, but it would have been just probably a notch below that. If if, if Anthony Edwards' dunk was a 10 on the Sami Poppy scale, this would have been a 9. Here's that sound now. Kelly, you put yourself at a 6. Uh, where would you be if you had been able to knock down that spike tip dunk, the crazy one? Uh, <laughs> yeah, like a nine. <laughs> oh, that was crazy, man. I got fouled, actually. That's the only reason I threw it up like that. But, yeah, man, referees, you know, they're not held accountable for anything. So they get to do whatever they want. I, I just – First of all, the way that he's able to just get off that dig on referees completely unprompted and just claiming that they can get away with whatever it is that they want to get away with was magical. And only, again, can Kelly Oubre do that the way that Kelly Oubre does. Uh, And I... I don't know if I was just not informed of the Tsunami Poppy scale. It seems like everybody else knows exactly what it is that he's talking about. I have no idea what he's talking about. All I know is that if he had that dunk, that would have been worth four points on the Tsunami Poppy scale, maybe three, depending if he's a five, six, 100% or whatever. Uh, It was just, I just, I love talking to Kelly Oubre after these games because I have no idea what it is that he is saying. So little of these quotes can be of any use to me in my stories, but they are of use here when we're doing the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week because I just get so much joy from listening to him talk. I have no idea. Again, I have no clue what he's saying 80% of the time, 5, 6, 100%. It's a 9. I have no idea what's going on, but that'll do it for our Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. Um, Coming up next, we will talk about where Steve Kerr is in his rotation and and what players are on the outside looking in. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with our new Locked On Today podcast. Peter Bukowski hosts a breakdown of the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get podcasts. With 12 healthy players with James Wiseman and Kevon Looney back, Steve Kerr said he'd cut his rotation down to 10 before the game. And so that was what we were watching for, partly what I was watching for during the game, was which 10 would make the rotation. Now it looks like Juan Descano-Anderson and Michael Mulder, neither of them played against the Knicks. It looks like they are the odd men out in the rotation. So what does this mean for them going forward? Well, first of all, Kevon Looney started at center. James Wiseman came in midway through the first quarter, and it looks like now Steve Kerr is just bringing back that center rotation the way it was before both of them got hurt about a month ago. So that much has been settled, it looks like. And Kevon Looney plays um, some some first half minutes. He plays some third quarter minutes. And then toward the end of the game, we saw Steve Kerr go small, right, with Eric Paschal and Draymond Green in the front court. 
and with Draymond Green ultimately being the lone center uh, surrounded by four shooters to end the game. It was Steph Curry, Kelly Oubre, Andrew Wiggins, Kent Bazemore to end the game. Now, I don't know if that was just because they needed some juice offensively. The Warriors didn't score their first field goal of the fourth quarter until about six minutes left in the fourth quarter in the game. And so I don't know if he went small just to try to create some space, try to create some sort of offensive flow, or if that's going to be the way that he wants to close games going forward, because he has also said that he wants to find minutes for Draymond Green at the five. And maybe Draymond Green at this point in his career, and with as many options as they have in the front court this season, maybe he's not closing the first half at center because he didn't against the Knicks, but maybe he's closing the game at center. So he's getting not two stints, but one stint as your small ball five, which is fine. I think you can end games that way, and it would be very effective. But as far as Juan Descano-Anderson and Michael Mulder are concerned, they probably are on the outside looking in now. And as good as Juan Descano-Anderson has been over that 10-game that stretch, when he was starting at power forward, there's a number of things that I, I suppose Steve Kerr considered when coming up with this rotation. And number one, would have I think, was just the fact that he was on a two-way contract. Juan Descano-Anderson, 31 days left, uh, NBA days left, under the two-way deal. And so I don't think if... I don't think the Warriors want to use all these days up right away. They want, to, they want to be able to extend those days for as long as they can, especially now while they're healthy. There's no need to force him into the game. And plus, they also have Eric Paschal that they have to consider. Because when you start to build out these lineups and you try to get small for certain portions, and Paschal has been the anchor of that second unit that comes in to start the, thir- uh, uh, the second and fourth quarters, when... He's in there. You have an element of shot creation. You have an element of, uh, you know, you have Eric Paschal who's able to force his own shot, get to the basket, get to the rim, uh, dro- collapse defenses, and then potentially kick out. And again, Juan Descano Anderson has been so good, but he's been good on the margins. He's been good the same way that guys like Kevon Looney is. Good the same way that a guy like at this point in his career, Draymond Green is. And so there's probably a little bit of redundancy with Toscano Anderson, where that doesn't exist so much with Eric Paschal, because in this season, when Steph Curry is the only guy scoring 20-plus points per game every night, you need to find production. You just need sheer volume when it comes to scoring on from the bench and on other places on this roster. And as good as Juan Toscano Anderson has been, and as much as he's been a glue guy, he's not really a volume scorer. He doesn't produce a ton of points especially the way that guys like Eric Paschal and James Wiseman do. And so for me, that makes sense. And then as far as Michael Mulder is concerned, he's right now buried on the depth chart behind Kent Bazemore and Damian Lee. And simply put, those guys just have more experience than Michael Mulder. They're slightly more impactful um, from everywhere else on the floor. They're more consistent than Mulder is. As good as Mulder has been from three, the three-point line, he's just not creating stuff the way that Bazemore and Damian Lee are on a night-to-night basis, and he's probably not as good defensively as those guys are, certainly not as good as Bazemore. So that's that's why those guys on the outside looking in. Now, that said, uh, those, both of those players, I believe, will have a role to play at some point in the season. I think specifically with Juan Descano-Anderson, the Warriors are still motivated to move him up into the 15-man roster. I think there's ways to do that, and they will start to consider those ways uh, as the trade deadline gets closer. Uh, but for now, while he's on that two-way contract, and there's no guarantee of being able to move him up to the 15-man roster, you probably want to just conserve these days as much as you can. And I'll say it again, but when this team is healthy, because you have to expect that this team will not be healthy at some other point during the season, and that's when they're going to need Juan Toscano-Anderson again. And you don't want them to have to worry 
about the remaining days on that two-way contract uh, when that situation presents itself. So coming up next, a portion of today's episode of Locked On Today covering the All-Star Game snubs. But first, let's talk about Built Bar. I used to be a big protein bar guy because I liked to have them in the car when I was commuting to games and when I was at work. And I always found that I was hungry around 4 o'clock and I wanted to not only get a healthy snack, but one that could help me through the rest of my day. And so when when the Locked On Podcast Network brought on Built Bar as a sponsor, I was intrigued. Turns out that these are the best protein bars I've ever tasted. They satisfy my hunger while I'm busy at work and they work perfectly with my low-carb, low-sugar diet. Built Bar is great. For health-conscious men and women, whether you want to maintain or lose weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Built Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, great if you're starting a keto diet, and they have 18 amazing flavors. My favorites are peanut butter brownie, toffee almond, and raspberry, and they have uh, nut-free options for those of you who want to avoid nuts. Built Bar has been with us for a long time, and I've gotten emails from some of you that have tried it. Most of you seem happy with the product. Uh, I've, I've heard some of you say that you thought it was too sweet. Well, Instead of going for the German chocolate cake option, try something a little bit more mellow, like apple almond crisp or carrot cake. I highly recommend that you keep trying some of these flavors because I'm telling you, these things are good. So go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get 20% off on your next order. Again, use the promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. The NBA announced the rest of the all-star rosters last night, the reserves, and of course, NBA Twitter and NBA players had takes on all of it. Joining me now from rejecting the screen, Noah Kozlov. And Noah, the thing that I think is so funny when we have these conversations about the snubs is who are you going to take off? You have to take someone off the list if someone deserved to get on who didn't get on. So let me flip that the snub question. And I want to know if you think there is someone on this side of the the roster, the the reserve side, who got on, but maybe got on when another more deserving player should have been on. I don't have a a real issue with any of the picks because, and, and I know that's not the the popular take, but the fact is, there the, the you you could really have chosen from. 40 guys that you could make the case for an all-star. It's really hard to make an all-star team. That's why bonuses that when you make all-star teams are pretty high. It's really, really difficult. Back in 2013, I'm glad you brought up, you've got to ask, well, then who would you take off? Back in 2013, I interviewed Kevin Durant for some sponsor video, and the SI top 10 had just come out. They just completed their top 10. So I thought, you know what? Let me ask Kevin Durant about it. I asked Kevin Durant about it, just the two of us. So I said, hey, I'm going to read you the top 10, You're gonna, and then you tell me who you think should be on it or who should be off it. And he said, I read him the top 10. He said, James Harden. And I said, okay, so then who should be off? And he said, Dwayne Wade. And then Dan Patrick, it became a big headline, and then Dan Patrick accused me of being part of some like marketing ploy. No, you're you're absolutely right, Peter. Like That is... That's exactly what you have to do. LeBron James says Devin Booker is the most disrespected player of the league. Okay, well then, who do you want to who do you want to take off? There, I mean, you could take off Chris Paul. Devin Booker's their number one option, but it's I'd certainly make the argument that Chris Paul is the one that has made that team twenty and ten, but Devin Booker's their number one offensive option. So there are so many different factors at play. 
Yeah, and and I think that this season is unique in, in a lot of ways too because the 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 standings are so jumbled. Yeah, it's not like we have five top teams in both conferences where you're going to go. Okay, three guys have to be on from those teams. I mean, are we really even sure we know who the best team is, much less the three or four best teams? No. So in a normal season, you go, okay, well, you know, Team X, who is leading the West, should have two or three guys. We don't have that same sort of stipulation. So do you think that's a a factor here as to why this is more jumbled maybe than it would be in another year? Yeah, I do. But I mean, I think the Utah Jazz deserve two players. But you could make the argument that Mike Conley deserves to be on it over Donovan Mitchell. But almost at this point for Conley, it's like the badge of honor to become the best player who never made an all-star <laughs> right. team. Although Rod Strickland never made an all-star team. Mike Bibby never made an all-star team. But Rod was all-NBA second team one year. But Mike Conley hasn't been any of that. So maybe that's just that's going to be his thing from here on out. But there have only been – so we've played about 30 games. And so take the case of Jimmy Butler. You talk about just things being just so jumbled that – he didn't really play well in the very beginning, and then he was out for a long time, and he and he's only played 18 games. I know, or or 17 games, whatever it is. I know Kevin Durant's only played 19, but he's just been all world in those 19. So I, I just have a difficult time. Like when you're when you're going to be splitting hairs over guys, I'm gonna lean towards the guys that have actually been playing when it's been actually this season pretty easy to sit it out. I I just I need you to do something for me, Noah. And this is I'm going to borrow Rob Mahoney Mahoney's bit from the ringer. Chris Middleton is averaging 20, 21, six and six shooting 50, 40, 90 mm-hmm. for the team with the second best point differential in the East. And I know that the Bucks have not looked outstanding this season. Can you just confirm that Chris Middleton does, in fact, exist? Oh, yeah, he's he's a player. <laughs> he's and he's been he's been an all star twice. But you could also make the argument that Drew Holiday is the second best player on that team. Or, and mm-hmm. if you're going in, and in a season like this, and again, it's not a disrespect to Chris Middleton here. In in a season like this, when as you said, things are just all jumbled, and you're throwing all sorts of things around, I'm going to lean towards a guy who is a number one option on a team. So whether I mean, I think Bam Adebayo should be should be an all star, but if you're going to lean towards a number one option over Chris Middleton, who's a number two, that's that would almost be one of the tiebreakers for me. So that that Zach Levine qualifies there. Yes. Julius Randle qualifies there, and and maybe to a little bit of a lesser extent, Nikola Vucevic qualifies there. Yeah, and and look as Vuce limped off the court as we record this on Tuesday night. Anthony Davis is hurt out west. There there are always injury replacements. Always you you can book it every single year. So as I say, you can book it. So Devin Booker will likely be an All Star. It's just kind of surprising that he didn't make it first over over Zion. That, but either one was going to be an injury replacement. It is what it is. I think he's going to be on the All Star team. The Orlando Magic they're they're nothing offensively without Vooch. Right. The New York Knicks desperately need Julius Randle. I, I would still have Bam Adebayo in there over Julius Randle. And and Zach Levine has actually gotten better at the other things aside from scoring, and his scoring itself is just so stinking elite that I think he deserves to be an all-star over Chris Middleton as as a number two guy. That'll do it for us today. Remember to subscribe to new episodes of Locked on Warriors wherever you listen to podcasts. Please rate, review, say nice things about the show. A reminder to leave 
five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts and leave a question in that review. We are going to do a five-star review mailbag coming up uh, soon later this week. You can send your comments and questions to me on Twitter at WC Goldberg or email them to wgoldberg at bayarianewsgroup.com. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And I'll see you here tomorrow morning. Full-blown tsunami, papi. Full-blown tsunami, papi, 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 papi.